Hello, John. Hey, John. How's it going today? Good, man. How you doing? Not bad, not bad. How have you been handling this kind of heat wave we've been having in Baltimore lately? You know, it's so cliche, but in Baltimore, it's not the heat. It's the humidity. I grew up in, in, in Birmingham, Alabama, which is very hot, very humid, very buggy, and I hated that all my life. I've always been a very sweaty person, a very, yeah. a very attractive to bugs kind of guy. And I said, can I move to a place that is more like a marsh, but not quite a marsh? A place where the bugs are just as bad, if not worse, and where the humidity is just as bad, if not worse. And someone said, hey, Baltimore has got you covered. Literally covered in bugs and sweat. I'm not complaining too much because um, cold and cerebral palsy don't mix. Mm-hmm. But I do hate stepping outside my door and feel like I'm wet. Even though, like, there's just, like, that weird moisture in the air, mm-hmm. you know? and It's, it's, yeah, it's not... like you hit a wall. You go outside yeah. and you hit a wall and you feel like you're swimming through the air. It's a sauna. Yeah. The world feels moldy. People have just been like, well, but rain will cool everything off. It doesn't. No. It's not helping things. Frequently, we'll sit across from each other with sunglasses on. And I'll uh, tilt my time. sunglasses down and I'll say, hey, buddy, how about recording an episode about summer jams? And then you'll tilt your sunglasses down and say, you mean those summer jams that help you keep cool? <laughs> and then we, we high five. By the way, we may or we may not be dressed like Crockett and Tubbs from Miami Butch right now. We're not really sure which one of us is Crockett and which one is Tubbs. After this episode, when we finish recording, we can find like an online quiz that says, are you Crockett or are you Tubbs? Just to settle this. I think we can both agree that Don Johnson's song, Heartbeat, is a much better song than Philip Michael Thomas's song, Just the Way I Planned It. You know, you are probably right. I don't know that I've actually heard the Philip Michael Thomas song. But I definitely was so into Miami Vice when I was in 7th or 8th grade when that Don Johnson song came out. And it also had a long narrative video where I believe Paul Schaefer from David Letterman's band was in the band. Weasel Zappa was the guitarist. If you haven't seen the heartbeat video, he is a uh, war photographer, right? In Vietnam? It's a, yeah, it's like a long video. It costs way too much money for what it is. So looking at the IMDb page for the Heartbeat video, this is, it, it was released on May 10th, 1987. So I think for, for people in 1987, this was a summer jam. And what totally was. Uh, it was perfect timing because it had time to rise up the charts it's, and in time for it's June got, and July. It, it's got a great chorus because he's, he's like, I'm looking for the Heartbeat. He really means it. And really interestingly here, let me go down this cast. This, there's, some, there's some interesting names in this cast. So Don Johnson, of course, yeah. plays the unnamed documentary filmmaker. The plot description, according to IMDb, is a surrealistic journey into the experiences and reflections of a documentary filmmaker as he evaluates the people and places that have made up his life. Sounds kind of like he's doing a podcast. Yep, totally. <laughs> <laughs> we should have him on sometime. We should. But in, listen to this cast. Don Johnson as documentary filmmaker. Paul Schaefer from, uh, at that time, David Letterman's most dangerous band in the world, or world's most dangerous band, Mm -hmm. as filmmaker's assistant. Giancarlo Esposito as gang member number one. Which blows my mind. Yeah. Laurie Singer as filmmaker's wife. A little bit lower down, we have, um, we also have David Carradine as man playing dice. Who would just basically take a job doing anything. Luis Guzman as gang member number two. What? And I don't think any 1987 narrative long-form video is complete unless you have Willie Nelson as himself. I mean, he just he's just so high. They're just like, you know, <laughs> do, do you want to do this? He's like, oh, sure. Okay. But Heartbeat, despite being a summer jam, is not one of our summer jams. It's no, not one of the ones not. that we're going to talk about. So, yes, we're about to get into these summer jams. Without any further ado, I just hope people know that John Nagel and I are very... I won't say we're experienced at listening to summer jams, but... We've been around. And um, we keep cool with these songs, so we're used to it. Yeah. I start off hot. These songs help me cool off. I need a lot. I need a lot of jams to keep me cool. So it's sort of like I have a high tolerance for summer jams. I don't know about you. Yeah, I totally do. People listening, frankly, you run the risk of cooling off too much. Coolness has its place. Yes. But... You know, don't get too cool. Don't get to the point where everyone else is in a crisis and you are, you know, you're in the corner being too cool for everybody. You're, you're moonwalking and playing around with your sunglasses or something like that. You're a scientist and the asteroid is about to hit Earth. Right. That is not the time for you to be... Like, hey guys, check out how disinterested and aloof from the situation <laughs> I am. 
Yeah, you need to be engaged. You need to be engaged. So I would go ahead and say if you are a scientist working in like a, a secret government facility that might have to solve an asteroid yeah. headed for the Earth situation, stay away from this episode. I, 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 have, a, I have an acquaintance with a scientist. Maybe she avoid listening yeah. to these summer days. My wife is a scientist. I'm going to have oh, to tell really? her, don't listen okay. to this one. And she'll say, you mean like I don't listen to all the other podcasts <laughs> that you make? Yeah. <laughs> Easy. So if you're a scientist who might help out, be saving the earth in some capacity, maybe summer jams aren't for you. Yeah. So we've given you the warning. Look out for becoming too cool. What are signs, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I think I'm not too cool, but I'm just cool enough. What are signs that they might be becoming too cool? I mean... <laughs> Are you wearing a leather jacket with a t-shirt? Oh, yeah. With a white t-shirt? Right. And has a cigarette just magically started dangling from your mouth? Yeah, and could you be bothered to do anything for anybody right now? Are you straddling a hot rod from 1959? (laughs) (laughs) When you sit in a chair, do you sit in it where your back is resting against the back of the chair, or do you spin it around and kind of straddle the chair? When you're around kids, do you say, I'm going to rap with you? Mm-hmm. You might be too cool. You might be too cool. If these things are already happening, you might be too cool yeah. for this podcast. Are you, in a, are you in a Dockers commercial from 1992? <laughs> right. You might be too cool. Are you Jeff Foxworthy? If you are, you're not too cool. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've given them an appropriate warning, I guess let's get into some of these summer jams, John. Why don't you share with me, what's the first song you well, reach for? That it's, you look out there, you well, see it's getting a little hot today in Baltimore. How well, do you cool off? Well, not, not, and not, all, not all of my songs are summer-themed, but th- this one is. I, I like to, uh, as everyone in my life knows in, in podcast land, I am, a, uh, I am a big hair metal guy. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite subgenre of that genre. And when it gets a little too hot outside, I listen to this jam from 1985, Y&T Summertime Girls. So 1985 was peak era for hair metal in a way, wasn't it? Not quite. quite. Because, okay, and this is just dumb. So there's like three, the early era, mm-hmm. your Motley Crue, who invented the genre. Because Van Halen is proto-hair metal. Motley Crue invented it, Rat, Wasp, Quiet Riot. Okay. And then Y&T came out around the 83s, but it's not really peak yet. Peak is like... 1986. The thing about the early hair bands, they were still a little ugly. <laughs> they looked they looked like they were 48, but they were really 24. Yes. Like, Somehow everybody looked old and haggard and but, like so worn Mot- out. So Motley Crue wasn't as ugly as Journey, mm-hmm. but they're nowhere near as good looking as the boys in Poison. <laughs> Fun fact, when I brought home that record, Mm -hmm. and when I put up, I found a vintage Poison poster of them from 1987, and I put it up in my room. My dad walked in. My dad's a judge, very straight-laced dude, and he, he looks at the poster, and he says, Oh, neat! An all-girl heavy metal band. I've never seen that before. And I said, no, they're dudes. And you still haven't seen it, Dad. (laughs) And he's just like, but okay, are they? And I'm like, no. (laughs) He can't even bring himself to say the word gay. (laughs) But I'd be like, as a matter of fact, the more they looked like that, the more women they got. And his brain exploded. (laughs) Not because he's like, he just couldn't. Yeah. It was like, wait, what? Like, this does not compute. So this was like right before Bon Jovi broke. Right. Right before Poison broke. And the problem with Y&T was they just weren't 
the songs were there. Mm-hmm. The musicianship was certainly there. Like, they could outplay anyone in Poison, but they just didn't have the panache. What did you think of the video, John? I thought it looked like a very nondescript sort of mid-80s video of band hanging out in a general area, kind of not sure what they're supposed to be doing on camera, while lots of extras are brought in to bring color to the video. And in this case, they're on a beach. Yeah. And it's not very heavy metal to be wearing uh, short shorts on the beach in the first place, but also... Um, yes, just people showing up. There's girls with uh, French cut bikinis, of course, because it's 1985. Yep. Um, there's there's people wearing all leather strolling up. You know, there's all this kind of stuff that okay. feels like it's meant to make it feel like a party. But you look at the video and you can tell this was a hot day. These people were out on the beach, yep. lip syncing, and these guys probably don't really know for sure why they're making a video. We're still in that era <laughs> where you've, you're supposed to make a video because it's going to break the band. But when it's a kind of clumsy video and the band looks kind of dorky in the video, it's always like, and that's the thing, did anybody watch? Watch this and think this was cool back then. That's the thing, because like you watch Rat and you watch Motley, and later on Bon Jovi, Poison, Warrant, those dudes they knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Like I watched those Rat videos, and was like, oh, they're so cool and decadent. I want to be like, I want to hang out with those guys. Mm-hmm. Lion T, they seem like nice dudes. They seem like nice fellas. <laughs> Their parties aren't probably as wild as those Motley parties over there. What does Y&T stand for? Yesterday and today. Yesterday Cause and they, today. Because they loved the Beatles. Okay. So they named the ba- their band after the Beatles and became, you know... I just think it was the wrong time. Well, like, 85 was like the last gasp of the journeys, the foreigners, the... Yeah. Before the hair bands were like, we're going to be mainstream rock for the next five years so everybody so if you watch like a later like journey video you can see they're like aping yeah like poison like steve perry has like these terrible cow print pants Mm -hmm. for some reason which no steve perry and like big that's not you steve no it's not no, nothing is you. Yeah. Lovely voice, very generic looking man. Yes. Well, it's interesting that, yes, there was a period where that kind of stagecraft and that sort of style and that kind of like shrieking party guys thing of hair metal, which, which then was it for five years, right? Yeah. And which, by the way, I latched on to completely <laughs> because I was like, I didn't like... I was at that age where what was going on in my suburban upper middle class white world was Limp Bizkit yeah. and Papa Roach right. and all those bands. And I'm like, but I already know my life sucks and you guys seem like assholes anyway. Right. And like, yeah, like I'm Poison and Motley and they were jocks and all, but they were the cool jocks that would like let you hang out with them. So that's why I was like, oh, if I they come to my town, we could hang out. How cool would you say you feel after listening to Summertime Girls? Pretty cool. Well, my first summer jam actually kind of dovetails with that idea of a musician not being cool, not being pretty, not being attractive. This was a guy, this guy, uh, he was a Calypso singer in the 40s uh, named Lord Melody. So in this era, which this song is from 1957, Lord Melody, I think this guy's kind of funny. Like this to me... I have sort of a soft spot for that music. I know yeah. that I know that reggae is like a bad word, but actually that earlier stuff was more interesting to me because it was more poppy and more I agree. strange and it was very similar to the way that American pop music in the 50s and 60s was full of all this very novel 
sounding stuff and someone could have a hit with something if you had like an angle yeah you could get a few hits out of it you it know? was the heyday of the novelty song and so this song is called the creature from the black lagoon <laughs> Here comes the ever popular Lord Melody, Calypso King of 1954, and still champ, coming to tell you this time that he is the creature from Black Lagoon. Now remember, 55, he was the ugly animal. 56, Mama look a boo boo day. This time it's more like the truth. The creature from Black Lagoon. Give him a big hand. <laughs> I thought of it uh, as a good selection after the Y&T song because this guy's whole shtick seemed to be writing songs about being ugly. So this song is about him sending his son, I believe, to go get some butter at a neighbor's house. And then he goes to find out what's going on and he overhears the people talking to his son about how ugly he is. <laughs> that seems to be what the song is about. Wow. Then, he, then Lord Melody rushes in and nearly kills the woman who's talking about him and accidentally attacks his son the lyrics are very much in a patois, you know, for yeah. its time. So there's certain things where I'm like, I'm not sure if I follow what the story is here, but it seems like that's the premise of the thing. I mean, it's a novelty song for sure. Yeah. It's super catchy, super melodic. It's funny. And then when the people chime in singing, the creature from the Black Lagoon is your father, you feel like that's the taunting voices of yeah. all the kids. No, it's perfect. Somewhere in the song he says, I, I, I know I'm not that ugly. I wonder if that was in there so people don't feel sorry for Lord Melody. I, I liked how he, in the beginning, the announcer was mentioning all the other times he had mentioned himself to be ugly. Right, yeah. But also mentioning that he was the Calypso champ of 1954. Yeah, in 55 he was the ugly animal, and then it was Mama Look a Boo Boo. <laughs> Which I feel bad for him, because like if he just lived to 2017, mm -hmm. and 2017, he would have lived to see The Shape of Water, where we know that the creature from Black Lagoon can be very sexy. Yeah, in fact, super hot. Super hot. Yeah. Had a six-pack. You know, you're right. Maybe Lord Melody could have used a little ego boost. Come on, man. If anyone is listening to this, I, I hate to say that now you're going to have it stuck in your brain for the rest of summer and possibly beyond. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's And now that you mentioned it, I have it in my head. But, <laughs> but like, Lord Melody, it's when saying, for the record, don't call yourself an ugly animal. I know. Self-love, okay? I always discuss my beauty, and I know I'm not so ugly. The idocity in my sister calling me a hideous creature. You know, the neighbor was there, so she started laughing. I nearly killed the girl in the kitchen. She scrambled my son from behind the head. I nearly killed my poor boy child dead. Singing, you're ugly just like your father, Mel. My son tell her, go to hell. My father have a good voice, and he is my mother's choice. And if he ugly, ugly is my father already, I can't help believe me, I am definitely sorry if the creature from the Black Lagoon is your father. No, go tell me, mama, the creature from the Black Lagoon is your father. Oh, no, if you are a funny person, and there's a joke to be made at your expense, by all means, beat people to it. Make it first. Yeah. But I do want to give him um, a shout-out for um, bringing to people's attention butter-related incidents. Yeah. Because who among us hasn't had something awful? Yes. When you, it's, it's like, we don't think about it that often, but, like, asking someone to just go get butter, it's a lot to ask. Yeah. Sending a kid to go get butter. Yeah. Sounds like the simplest thing in the world. Things could go horribly awry. Would you ask Henry to go get butter? After hearing this song, no, I would not. <laughs> I wouldn't either. And if I did, if he was gone a while, I would say, you know <laughs> what, Nikki, maybe you should go pick him up because I don't want to be on the other side of the hedge yeah. and hear everybody saying, you know, your father looks like a pile of trash. <laughs> and also, <laughs> you don't want to like accidentally get your son strangled yes. or even worse, getting hit with a frying pan. Yes, that's true. Butter-related accidents in the kitchen... If you raise your voice, you're just sort of asking for a frying pan. Inside. Yeah, and that's from I'm a big advocate against frying pan-related violence. I, I agree. So. What's your next pick? 
Well, um, my next pick sort of fits in, uh, it's got that sort of beachy vibe, but instead of Caribbean, it is more of a 50s lounge situation. Um, Nelson Muntz's favorite singer, the incomparable Mr. Andy Williams, mm. and his music to watch girls by, which I, I, I realize that this is sort of a theme, but like... It's a very beachy, uh, I just imagine, like, being in cabana wear. The boys watch the girls while the girls watch the boys who watch the girls go by. I do I. They solemnly convene. It just feels so of its time. It's that Andy Williams, I hate to say it, I'm... I'm really open to Andy Williams. He's he's got some great Dude, shit. Moon River. I mean, but I mean, even just like uh, these odd songs that I keep going. Yeah. Oh, who is that? That does who originally did this song or that song yeah. that I like? And you go back and you play the Andy Williams version, and it's kind of a hip arrangement like that. Like um, I always thought of it as when I was growing up, he seemed really starchy and bland to me. But he's actually not that no, dull. No, when at all. I first heard this song, it blew my mind. Guys talk, girl talk. It happens everywhere. Eyes watch, girls walk. I'm not disparaging Francis Albert Sinatra at all, but like, come on, let's disparage him a little bit. Well, <laughs> the guy gets a lot of worship. It's yeah, worth it. Well, it's, have you heard songs for, sing, for Swinging Lovers? It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no, I'm not denying. I'm just saying he's one of those guys that it's always funny to me. There's certain people that are just untouchable. And I think Frank Sinatra has had a nice ride. He's had a good ride. Well, I'm just saying, like, he never had a rock and roll verve yeah. quite like this song. Where yeah. it's not rock and roll, but you can hear the strains of, like, that guitar is just like, awesome mm-hmm. you know that it's really fuzzy and it almost beachy. you can't it almost makes you think this can't be an andy williams tune because in your mind yeah. andy williams is is uh lawrence welk or something like that yeah you know? uh-huh but, and um you know it's just kick ass and like you, you want to be in a cabana so how did that song come across your path i honestly can't remember but it's one of those songs that just pops up places not not even the lyrics just yeah. the horn hook when they need something to signify this is pre-Beatles. Yeah, pre-Beatles, or or just this is a 60s party yeah. where there's going to be shag carpet, and there's going to be uh, girls in, in bikinis kind of dancing. Do, doing the swim, doing yeah. the monkey, yes. doing the frug, the pony. <laughs> Gotta do the pony. The mashed potato. I could just see, like, if we were to look in Vincent Vega's record collection. Mm-hmm. He'd probably have a 45 of this. Not only would he have a 45 of this, since he, since Vincent Vega is a Quentin Tarantino character, yes. he has a whole monologue prepared about how Andy Williams is the coolest guy and uh, nobody knows it, or something like completely. that. Well, um, I'm going to take this idea of the earworm, the catchy song we were just talking about, how, how, how indelible that hook is in that song. And I'm going to talk about this for me is a summer jam only because it is stuck in my mind this summer and I kind of can't get away from it in my own brain. So I thought, why not share this with other people? But um, it's an odd song. It only exists for a very specific reason. And it is, if we're going to talk about novelty music, this is the definition of a novelty song, but I can't stop singing it in my head. I sometimes have to listen to it. I've played it for my son. He now likes it. He thinks it's funny, even though he doesn't fully understand the context of it. Nice. But this is a song that didn't exist before maybe a couple of months ago. And, and now it's, uh, yes, it's gotten p- perhaps too, too many repeat plays for me. This is a song that means a huge amount to me because I wrote it when I came out of a very bad, a very dark period. <laughs> How does it feel when you're in R.E.L.? <laughs> How does it feel when you're in R.E.L.? It's a song called How Does It Feel When You're in R.E.M. And it is a... Someone took a sample of Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott on their ridiculous podcast, uh, Are You Talking R.E.M.? R.E.M.? Me. Yes. <laughs> 
which is a follow-up to their U2 show. You talking U2 to me. Where they basically just sit down and, you know, in a two-hour episode, <laughs> they talk about U2 for a half hour. They ran out of U2 albums to talk about, so they started this new show where they do R.E.M. albums. Because that's... Um Adam Scott's favorite band. It's Adam Scott, actor that you may know from Parks and Rec and, and other things, um, who's a very likable guy, very kind of nerdy, sweet-natured I mean, guy. And Scott Ackerman, who is one of my favorite current comedians and uh, just personalities and podcasters. And they do this show that actually, in a lot of ways, is kind of, in, in as much as anything is the inspiration for what we do oh, with this much. show, it was knowing that yeah. you liked their banter that I thought, okay, John might understand what I want to do. Because that's how we became friends. And like, but by the way, for the record, um, I just want to point this yeah. out, because it needs to be said. Yeah. There's a lot of anti-Facebook stuff around right now, as there should be. Yes. But without Facebook, we would this. We would not be talking to you. You wouldn't be listening our, to this show at all, right? You'd be like, you'd be sitting in your car right now, being like, "Gee, I wish I had some summer jams." Yeah, you're right. You'd be sitting there burning up. Yeah. Right now, the fear is you might become too cool from listening to these awesome jams. But without without Zuckerberg, yeah, <laughs> you would you just be the Human Torch. And what happened on the show was they were joking about why doesn't REM ever do a a song that's about being an REM? It was, that was it. And so then this fan, Jordan Cooper, I believe is the musician's name, took their little vocal samples and made this audio track, which is a hilarious, if you know R.E.M.'s music, oh, to which it's I a do. hilarious pastiche. It's affectionate and it's good, but it's also very, when that little mandolin comes in. Dude, that, that, I, you heard me. I <laughs> yes. basically laughed. You blurt laughed when you heard that. So yes, it's funny. It's silly. It's a minute and 10 seconds long. It's very clever work from this guy, Jordan Cooper, who I don't know if he pitched their voices a little bit to make it fit with this music, but it's too silly, too ridiculous. I am a songwriter. I love making music. I love working really hard on really big ideas, but I also love it when a really just stupid as fuck idea falls out and someone makes it. You know what I mean? When someone takes something (laughs) really dumb and fulfills the potential of it. I think that is a cool summer That's jam. That's a stroke of genius, actually. <laughs> and But not heat stroke. No, no. Not Why? a heat stroke of genius. Because he kept it cool. If you can picture like the sound of, of uh, mist rising off of ice when we say cool, that's, that's yeah. how cool we think these songs but are. Basically a winter fresh commercial? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, remember that commercial where the guy was like, your mouth is a sweltering 99 <laughs> degrees. Yes. Yeah. But a winter fresh mouth is much cooler. <laughs> By the way, guys, I can't calculate a tip in my head, but I remember that commercial from 20 years ago. Now that we've given them a chance to warm back up from how cool we've made them, what's your next pick? Well, um, we're, so um, I also just want to turn people onto this band. They no longer exist anymore. And I'm very sad. I'm still not over there. Um, it's a band called Chumped. Chumped? Chumped. Okay. And it's called Hot 97 Summer Jam. Couldn't be more literal. A song that actually is called a Summer Jam. They're a pop punk band. And they existed for not long enough. Um, I think they should have been enormous. And my heart aches. You know, there's different ways you can go. When you say pop punk, you could be like in the range of those those bands that all sound very much like they want it to sound just like Green Day. And then there's the other flavor that was very popular around that time that I'm much more partial to, which this song falls into, that is like Pixies, Breeders inspired. Yeah, it's super chunky. God was like, well, <laughs> what does John like in a band? Mm-hmm. Well, John likes poppy melodies. Mm-hmm. 
and crunchy guitars. Yeah. And a singer who's obviously inspired by the Shangri-Las. <laughs> and he's also a sad boy <laughs> who likes to pine for things. Right. I'd be to make this band. They're going to put out one record. And a month after John discovers them, they're not going to exist anymore. It's not fair. But I got to say, as a band, existing for one record, kind of cool. No. <laughs> kind of cool. I'm, it, it, like, it helps the myth a little bit, well, you know? This, this is what kills me, okay? So, they, you know, do you read the AV Club? Mm-hmm. They had, they still have it, but it's not as good. Um, when they had bands come in, and cover songs. Chumped came in and covered the crystals. Then he kissed me. Oh, nice. There's a joke among my friends that's become a hashtag. Hashtag, John's got a type. Annika, the lead singer of Chumped. In a pop punk band, singing a crystal song, <laughs> doing the dance moves. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're on tour. So, I go on their website. It's 9 o'clock at night, by the way. They're playing Metro Gallery the next day. Okay, that's a local club here in Baltimore. Here's the problem. I ride Mobility. Mobility's reservation line closed at 8 o'clock. I couldn't, and it was too, it was the next day. And I called them, and I, I said... Is there any way you can hook me up with a ride? And they're like, no. So I said, okay. I'm going to catch them next time. A month later, they broke up. Those assholes. I'm still not over it. You were the one who was chumped. I was chumped. (laughs) Annika, (laughs) I still want to see your band, Katie Ellen. Please play Baltimore. Well, you saying that that song was geared to be the thing that you liked, it's, it's a nice segue to, to my next pick, because this is a song that, whenever I hear it now, it has all the things I like. It's got dense lyrics. It's got instrumentation that kind of evolves throughout the song. It's catchy. It kind of throws back to the 60s, but it's got a, at this time, the song came out, which was in 2001. Uh, it was very of its time kind of retro synth starting to come in, but I think it still sounds kind of fresh. And I was doing a little research on the song because I didn't know what it was about, and I ended up finding the Pitchfork review of this album. They said of this song, it is so unremittingly goony with its annoying samples, rubbery guitar, and gratuitous falsettos that I can't help but love it. I'm glad that sentence took the turn it does because I guess that's that's a fair assessment of how I feel about it. This song is called Fantasies, and this is from Stephen Malkmus's first solo album after Pavement broke up. Wake up early and rock it to Alaska We put our masks on to welcome the dawn we call the huskies and collide into their fur Fragrant in the overcast It appears to be about a guy who lives in uh, Karakatu, Alaska. All of the lyrics are um, just sort of about day-to-day life. There's some stuff in there about fishing, there's some stuff in there about how cold it gets, and there's some stuff in there about fantasizing about being in a warmer place. It's one of those songs where you listen to it a million times and you never quite get the lyrics glued in your head because Stephen Malkmus is very kind of literate and witty and a little, you know, if you didn't like him, you would say smarmy and pleased with himself. But as someone who really enjoys him and finds him to be a really good songwriter, I like that his melody lines and his guitar lines, they both have this kind of similar quality of feeling off the cuff. And they always kind of feel like he's discovering something as he goes. The thing I always liked about Stephen Malcolmus and Pavement, he 
pretends to hate pop music. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I hate that. I'm going to deconstruct it. But he also clearly loves it. Going back to like, you know, cool summer jams, Mm -hmm. like Summer Babe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a pop song. Yeah. In the Mouth of the Desert, pop song. (laughs) He thinks he's taking a piss. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he's not. Like, he's like, oh, I'm so insincere, cool guy. But he's very sincere. There's a lot of people I know who are music fans who don't like pavement because they see it as like this slacker thing or these guys who didn't give a shit. Yeah. But I think what you're getting at is the way that not giving a shit and doing that effectively, it takes a certain amount of actually giving a shit. Dude, you know, you, you can't you can't successfully not give a shit unless you're really doing some some version of giving a shit. He's a very interesting dude. Yeah, he is. And like, I got to be honest, like a lot of people poo poo like the reunion tours and stuff. But I was happy to see Pavement get that moment. I think it's interesting, very similar to the aforementioned Pixies, yeah. the, the band whose reputation has grown since they last played a show. It's cool to see them get to capitalize on the fact that, oh, before we just thought you were pretty good, and now we realize how special you actually were. Like, I have a major problem with the Blues Brothers, much to many people's chagrin. But the thing I love about the Blues Brothers is it gave those old blues musicians the payday that they never got. So, you know, for all of its cultural appropriation and all that stuff, like it gave John Lee Hooker, Bo Diddley, like even James Brown, like another shot of life. And kind of as a signifier said, yeah, this is actually pretty cool. This isn't some stodgy old thing that your grandparents like. But I was happy to see Pavement at that moment in the sun of like, oh, cool. You guys are... Headlining Meriwether Post Pavilion. Yeah, slackers, but legends as well. Just like, <clears throat> just like SDP did. Do you have one more pick for us today? Um, I'm I'm just gonna go with a um a tried and true number. Of, speaking of bands who they were legacy towards the end, but uh, their first four, their first five, unimpeachable. Um. A band called the Ramones. <laughs> I think I've heard of them. And a song called Rockaway Beach. Oh, yes. One, two, three, four. So those Ramones records just sound perfect, don't they? I mean that that era, like, that production, that it, playing. It's like it's very just, deceptive what they do. There's a Beach Boys thing that's going on there. You can see how people were inspired by it and went on to do much punkier things with it. I mean, it reminds me of the way there's a couple of ACDC records that are like this, where you just go, "It's a perfect sounding record." You know, it it the drums sound perfect, the guitars sound perfect, the vocals are mixed perfectly in with it. This is a perfect rock record. I think that I think that the Ramones can lay claim to that as well. Maybe not everything they did, but the first four. Ramones, Leave Home, Rocket to Russia, and Road to Ruin are, to me, flawless. A great run. Just a great run. And um, my mom, um, who's lovely and she's my favorite person. Um, <laughs> uh, Get I, ready, Mom. <laughs> I have a lot of Ramones shirts. Mm-hmm. And she asked me one time, well... Why do you like the Ramones so much? And I said, y- you like the Beach Boys, right? And she's like, I love the Beach Boys. And I was like, the Ramones are the Beach Boys on speed. <laughs> yeah. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. We get into rock to rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. It's like it's a Beach Boys, but with Marshall Stacks, 
and a load of speed and glow. And boom. Yeah. Boom. It, they're just... They're, you know, and it's just in these super dark, scary times. Mm-hmm. Gotta be honest, I've been kind of leaning on them a lot. Oh, yeah. Because they're just, to me, they're like, you're gonna be, we're gonna be all right. Like, we're gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, no, it, it, it is kind of feel good music in a lot of ways. It's well, like, again, it's surprisingly poppy. Music, you know, and it's funny to think that people were scared of them a little bit, yeah. or it seemed like this is the underbelly of rock, yeah, or it seemed f- like this is something new, this is scary, but when you really listen to what they're doing, it is extremely accessible music. I will never understand why America said we will take Foreigner <laughs> over this. Right. Like, and I'm not, and like you guys, you guys have listened to this podcast, I've been promoting... I called Poison a great band. <laughs> right. So I am not a snob. No, 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 no. But when you tell me that Foreigner, who a, a single member of, I couldn't pick out a lineup, mm-hmm. sold 10 million records, and the Ramones' first album just went gold three years ago, <laughs> really, America? Really? I mean, everything you love was ripped off by what those guys did. Yeah. And, you know, and I often say, and they're just, they're great and they're mythic in a way that bands aren't anymore. Yeah, there's something, and it's sad too, speaking of the politics and our dark days, <laughs> the, it's sad too to know some of the politics of some of the members of the band. They, they definitely age to that point where you would say, as a Ramones fan, I wish you would shut well, up. But the thing, is, the, the thing is, though, and I mean, this is, it's the truth. Um, one, they're no longer, one of them especially is no longer with us. Yeah. So he didn't, uh, he hasn't seen I know if he was alive today exactly where he would stand mm-hmm. and, but since he's not around I don't have an existential I don't have an existential crisis listening to the Ramones yeah. because he's not around to say something stupid and make me feel right. bad unlike some other people who I just pretend died in 1979, with Aerosmith, hi Ted. <laughs> Just speaking as a um, disabled person, it's a scary time for me right now, mm-hmm. and it, it's a scary time for everyone. Um, and these guys and a certain boss uh, make me feel less alone. And they are real, and they believe in you. They believe in you. Just remember that. And on top of that, not not only do the Ramones believe in you, they've just cooled you off a little bit. They they, they totally have. Even the ring leather jackets. Yes. That's always confusing. <laughs> I always wonder how bad those guys smell, the people who wear the leather jackets all the time. I've always wanted one. <laughs> a real one. But like Dee Dee wanted to like join the Heartbreakers because yeah. he was tired of wearing the jacket all the time. The <laughs> uniform. I'd be like, dude, I'd be, I'd totally wear that uniform. Right. They look so cool. <laughs> like street tough. And they kind of write about stupid rock and roll things almost as a rule. Yeah, the things they want, yeah. the things they don't want. I don't want to <laughs> walk around with you. Yes. Now I want to be your boyfriend. I want to be sedated. I don't want to go down to the basement. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to sniff some I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things going on. So many things going Just on. Just men of simple wants and needs. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. We can hit your rock to rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. Rock, rock, rock away, bitch. We can hit your rock to rock away, bitch. That's why I love the movie Rock and Roll High School mm-hmm. so much, because it exists in the world that should have been where the Ramones were the biggest band in the world. And the object of desire of teenage girls everywhere. That's how it should have been, America. But no, you decided that Foreigner and Leif Garrett were 
Though Life did have great hair, so. Right. You can't blame him. He was also made for dancing. Yes, he was. All, 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 all night long. So I'm hoping people feel pretty cool, almost too cool, but not too cool yet. Because this next song, I've had an ongoing debate in my head whether lyrics are more important or whether the music is more important. Yeah. And I tend to go with music and melody is the most important thing. And then really good lyrics is like the next best thing. But I've discovered that really good lyrics without the melody and without the really catchy music, like I'm not that in, like I'm impressed maybe at someone who has a great concept or a, a, a cool message or a very thoughtful thing they're trying to say. But I get much more communicated to me through the sound of the music than through the lyrics, which is odd because a lot of my favorite musicians uh, are lyricists, you know, yeah. are, who write really interesting lyrics. But I guess what I'm saying is I receive that secondarily. The first thing I receive is how it makes me feel from a purely musical standpoint. And this next song is actually a song that plays around with that idea. It's a song from 1972 by Adriano Celentano and his wife Claudia Mori. It's a song that I know it from a famous clip. They performed it on a variety show, an Italian variety show, and it went around. And I was like, what is this clip? Who is this band? But the song is called, and I'm going to so hope I hope I get this right, Prisa Colonnade Sinane Cusel. And it is a nonsense word, as you may have guessed. Adriano Celentano was wanting to do a song that sounded like what an Italian thinks an American rock song sounds oh, that's like. awesome. But using gibberish words. His explanation of the song, uh, according to Wikipedia, is, Ever since I started singing, I was very influenced by American music and everything Americans did. So at a certain point, because I like American slang, which for a singer is much easier to sing than Italian, I thought that I would write a song which would only have as its theme the inability to communicate. And to do this, I had to write a song where the lyrics didn't mean anything. Nice. If you look for the clip of him performing it on this variety show with his wife, Claudia Mori, um... It's this really cool segment. It's like of its era. It's it, but it's also it's great to know. The first time I saw it, I said, "What's he saying?" When I found out that he was riffing on what American music sounds like to people That's around awesome. the world, it's great. And it's just a, you 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 still feel like the lyrics are conveying something, even though they they clearly from the ground up they mean absolutely nothing. So yeah, Adriano Celentano, I don't know that much about him outside of that clip. I don't I would love to see more stuff that he's done. I don't know if other stuff he's done is that funny. I mean, I gotta be honest, like with these songs that we've chosen, mm -hmm. you really don't need to see the video. Yeah. That you need to see the video. The only phrase that he says that is actually in English is all right. Yeah, and so knowing that he was trying to write a nonsense song, I love that the phrase that makes it in there is all right, because that is such a, like, if you're looking at American music from outside, I'm, I'm surprised there's not a lot of babies and hey, hey, hey's in there, yeah, too. Yeah, na, na, na. Yeah, right. It's Elvisy a little bit. Yeah. Like, he's got that, like... Elvisy, herky jerky thing, and as we both realized when we were when we were looking at the video, he looks like a Sasha Baron Cohen character. Yeah, I think the seventies were like the last uh, gasp of a variety show. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. And like they all have like ridiculous premises. And yeah, if you were on a variety show in that era doing a song, you would have a production number with a set and with actors, yeah. and dancers. And this is a scene where he's teaching a class, and it seems almost like he's doing a call and response with the class of teaching them what the words to this song are. And there's no introduction, so you're like, wait, why is he a teacher? Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> we need the guy from the Lord Melody track to give an introduction to yeah, Adriano yeah, Celentano. Yeah, like teaching champion of 1972. Yes. <laughs> and like, it's cool. He's got like a creepy like... Substitute teacher vibe. There's like, a lecherous quality to him. In fact, there's a part in this performance that we're talking about where his wife, Claudia Mori, stands up and and sings part of the song. Uh, sing is a very generous term for what she does. It's like a very Nico-esque kind of yeah, talk singing. And, um, and he gives her like a, the okay sign afterwards, which again, it's, maybe the people watching know this is his wife and this is a little bit of a joke. But in terms of what you're talking about, the kind of lecherous substitute teacher thing, it really does seem like, hey, okay, little lady, nice going. Yeah, like I was sort of like, because like all the students are girls. Yes. And I was sort of waiting for like Chris Hansen to be like, so what are you doing here? <laughs> All right. What I like is that, yeah, you can see the guy was making fun of everything. The dancing, the singing, the yeah. way he's performing. All of it is a riff. And maybe even a riff specifically on a very American way of performing. But even if it's just riffing on the way performers kind of inflate themselves up into this thing. He's it's clearly, a really it, I don't know. song. Mm-hmm. I'll probably listen to it again. So, so do you think we've made people too cool, or do you think we've made them just cool enough? I think we made them just cool enough, you know? And, I, you know, I just want to say, be careful, guys. Stay cool. But don't get too cool. You could be sitting backwards in a chair. You can leave the dark. You could have your ball cap off to the side, kind of at an angle. Yeah, you could be like, what? We're up, kids. Well, now like, that we've got people at the right temperature... We might as well end this episode. This has been a great exploration. It's been a great episode, man. Maybe we can, when, a, when there's a new turnover in the seasons, maybe we can talk about fall jams. Fall jams. <laughs> but for now, hopefully we've cooled you off enough for the summer. Between now and our next episode, John, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at twitter.com at janeagle4 or medium.com at janeagle4. And I swear to God, I'm going to post something. So... You're waiting with bated breath. Until you've posted something. Now. I know. They're I'm... just going to be sitting there refreshing the <laughs> medium. So much hope. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Gianni W. That's G-I-A-N-N-I-D-U-B-Y-A. The worst choice I ever made. And you can approach us through the email medium at oh, it's Johncast at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>